Hello, welcome to Playing With Power Podcast, the retrospective podcast about Nintendo Power Magazine, the effect it had on our lives, and all the little gems and goodies that uh, went into this quality publication. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me is your other host, Ben. Hey, how's it going? How have you... (laughs) How you how you been, Ben? Oh, I've been uh, I've been sick. You might can tell I could have a I have a rough throat right now. So I'm gonna try and power through it though for this episode. <laughs> so apologies. Uh-huh. I've also had some uh, technical difficulties in getting to a recording. Um, so it's it's been a while, and I'm glad to be back. How about yourself? Oh uh, well, uh, been busy with uh, looking after nephews and trying to get some comedy gigs and. It's just been a busy, busy time trying to juggle a bunch of things, and, and I'm still some growing pains getting used to the podcasting thing. But it's a it's a worthy endeavor. Excellent. Well, should we uh, get started on <clears throat> issue number two? Sure thing. This is uh, well, as you just said, this is issue number two of Nintendo Power Magazine. Came out for September and October of 1988, and on the cover is Simon's Quest. Now, my first note is that this is pretty friggin' metal for a cover. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you that haven't seen this cover, this is it has a uh, actor or model uh, posing on the front, dressed in full Castlevania gear, including a helmet which he never wears. Uh, he's holding uh, Dracula's decapitated head, and the decapitated head has glowing red eyes. And there's all kinds of spooky Transylvania, Castlevania stuff around him, like a skull, etc. Red fog and yeah. a, hand, a hand coming out of the mist to do God knows what to him. And you got the treasure chest full of Dracula's assorted parts, like a heart, <laughs> which apparently has ears and fangs, uh, a rib bone, nail, an eyeball. It is, a, I have to say, it's metal as hell. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's pretty up there on the metal scale. Well, for a magazine, and and Simon Belmont seems to be more of a Roman centurion than a Victorian era vampire hunter. But you know, whatever it takes to withstand the forces of darkness, and uh, even if you need golden nipple <laughs> garb, yeah, golden nipple guards, then you know, well, that's, that's yeah, what you got to do. I qu- fighting Dracula, you got to do it. Yeah, I mean, I saw the poster. I thought, wow, this someone went to the Halloween store. And said, uh, they don't have anything that says Castlevania on it. How about this Roman Centurion outfit? But, with, uh, nipple, yeah. with nipples on it. Oh, you got to have the you nipples. Know, you got to protect the nipples, I, you know? I, I think this is what inspired Schumacher. He had like a Roman gladiator wet dream and is just like nipples on suits. Like, I, I got to do this. And then they said, how'd you like to do Batman? And he goes, one condition. <laughs> he said it. He said it and they're like, well, we got nobody else. So, you know, go ahead. How bad can it be? Look, maybe people won't notice them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a dark outfit. Maybe maybe we can skate by and nobody will uh, really pay attention to it. Well, I, I looked in, through the magazine and the cover art for the game. Uh, it's illustrated, but it does have this exact outfit minus the helmet. So it actually is pretty true to form, and it's just sort of odd that this is what they picked for the for the artwork for the game. But uh, something that I've, I, I researched and I found was interesting about the the cover of this is that uh, Nintendo Power and Nintendo themselves, they got a lot of phone calls and uh, snail mail messages from concerned parents about the cover of this, complaining that it was too violent, too gory, and uh, 
So two metal. Yeah, Nintendo Power themselves. I think in uh, issue fifty, they they list out their like uh, you know best issues of all time and then worst covers of all time. And this made number one. So this is the worst cover of all all time for Nintendo Power, according to Nintendo Power. Well, in our uh, in our fiftieth issue review, we'll have to uh, remember that. Right, we'll have to look now, back and see if they were they were onto something or not. Okay, so are we done with the cover? I think so. So let's. Okay, now I saw a calendar for the exciting game releases in September, and uh, some of the highlights on this are the following: game releases. Ghostbusters, Galaga, Mickey Mouse, Bionic Commando, Indiana Jones, Castlevania 2, Superman, Paperboy, Jackal, and Super Mario Bros. 2, which confused me because they gave some pretty good coverage to a game that apparently hadn't been released yet, so hmm. now we have all this, like, you're really informing kids about what to look forward to to a game that isn't out yet. <laughs> it's confusing. And this is really confusing to uh, belong in a uh, in a young boys teens magazine. September third, Charlie Sheen's birthday. Oh now, he's yes. Recently, uh, recently come out with some bad medical news, and uh, well, who knows what the hell happened? But it probably happened on a September third, four years ago. <laughs> now September tenth, the first Donkey Kong game came out in 1981. September 11th is Grandparents' Day. Maybe Osama hated grandparents. September 12th, Rosh Hashanah. September 22nd, Scott Bayo's birthday. I think this is more geared towards, like, girls' interests, but, you know, who are they to discourage girl gamers? September 23rd, Bruce Springsteen's birthday, the boss. And September 24th, everyone can get behind this, the ice cream cone was invented 85 years ago. Yeah, they they uh, point out some interesting dates for for sort of random reasons, and some of them I get you know there's sort of uh, interesting celebrity birthdays or uh, you know chew, this is the date that chewing gum was patented uh, patented, and they have some fun ones in there like uh, November 29th is when King Hippo's diet starts, <laughs> which is pretty good. October second um, was Sting's birthday. October 11th was Mario's birthday. World Poetry Day. I don't know who they were appealing to on that, like where they thought this demographic would overlap. But for the young aspiring patriot, the Statue of Liberty turned 122 years old. And for the Halloween art, it had Mario as a uh, little cowboy. Now, I think a Mario shooter game would be friggin' great. Like a nice first-person game where you jump around levels and you uh, all you see is your hand stick out in front of the screen releasing a fireball. I could get behind a first-person Mario shooter. I'm sure there's a mod out there for that. It's November, <laughs> November 3rd. Now, this November 3rd, did you celebrate Sandwich Day? Uh, only every other day. Every day should be Sandwich Day. And December 17th, the first million Zeldas were sold the previous year. And Howard Phillips' birthday was on January is January 23rd. On yeah, February that, 20th. hold on. Let's talk about that. So the guy who is the editor of this magazine, throws his own birthday in there like it's some important day. God, what a smug asshole. I swear. Oh, oh, his <laughs> smug-ass solary is, is very prevalent in, issue, in this issue as we will progress further. But uh, Little Mac earned the 
WVBA title on February 20th, St. Patty's Day, and Rob Lowe's birthday are both March 17th. How the hell did he survive? <laughs> March 22nd, Princess Zelda Awakens. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up a week there. March 15th of 1989 is Nintendo's 100th birthday as a company. Can you believe that? I completely missed that. The uh, The font was really, really tiny, so I missed that. But you had to think it started off as a playing card company right. in the 1800s, and then it uh, went on to various other things. My favorite uh, of their businesses was the Love Hotels, Hotels yeah. in, the, uh, in the 60s and 70s, and one of their greatest customers was their own president. Huzzah. <laughs> I mean, like... That's like the guy from the hair club for men. I liked it so much about the company. <laughs> You're going to like this hotel. I guarantee it. <laughs> and uh, April 10th, Super Joe needs tune-up. April 28th, the zipper was invented. May 23rd, Nestor's birthday. May 24th, 3 million fun club members were achieved uh, the last year. And I don't know why this is in a children's magazine, but June 25th was George Michael's birthday. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Just like, wow. Like, I mean, like, this really tells you a lot about the 80s. Like, apparently a lot more people cared about George Michaels than we think. Yep. What a what a great role model him and uh, Charlie Sheen have grown up to be. Oh, yeah. Like, philandering cokeheads and uh, bo- both just plowing a lot of ass. <laughs> just <laughs> what's in front of that ass? Well, that differs, but the point is it's still ass. Indeed. <laughs> okay. And, uh... Now, the the next ad is a kid on a surfboard with a whole bunch of video games, and it's called Tidal Wave. Mm-hmm. You're writing the biggest, fastest, most powerful wave in video games. Powerful titles, powerful graphics, powerful choices. You can play over 100 blockbuster games on your NES. Are you ready for the awesome? Now, this kid is very dangerous and reckless with his electronics because salty seawater will just erode the gold contacts on those cartridges. I don't know what he's thinking. There's there's no tarp on that. I mean, like, why are you taking your games out in the ocean? Oh, I hadn't even considered that. Um, he's got good gear on, though, like covered in like those wavy Saved by the Bell shorts. and. Uh, well, he's got shades on that are hanging down on his nose so you can see his eyeballs above them. And he's got his mouth agape. He's like, whoa, dude. He's I'm got totally a, rad. He's got an ankle friendship bracelet, uh, a regular friendship bracelet. So yeah, he is. Uh, he's, oh my god! I, compl- I forgot. I didn't even notice the ankle bracelet. Yeah, Th- I, this is one radical dude. I remember seeing this ad a lot uh, in Nintendo Power, so I, I think they use it over and over, and it just reminds me a lot of uh, TNC Surf Designs. Did you ever play that game? Uh no, usually if it's like a sports game, I kind of avoided it. It's kind of a sports game, kind of not. They have like uh, you play as like a uh, anthropomorphic dog and cat, either riding a skateboard or uh, riding a surfboard in different levels. Wow. <clears throat> it's pretty difficult. That I wonder if they'll go over it in a future episode issue. I mean. Hmm. Well, it says here on the opposite page, thanks to your support, Nintendo Power Magazine is a huge success. To which I have to say, for our second issue, did we become a huge success? Are we as successful in our second issue? What the hell? (laughs) 
Uh, I mean, this is a friggin' magazine before the internet came along, and yet they seem to get a lot of, uh, they seem to have gotten a lot of upturn. And uh, from what I read in our stats, we actually lost 10 viewers over a month, 10 listeners over a month. Yeah, well, you know, that's what tends to happen. I wonder if, I bet you they didn't sell as many of issue number two as they did of issue number one. Mm. It's just like comic books, you know, you always want to get the first, first, first issue, oh, this might become a collectible later, you know, that kind of thing. And no one ever talks about collecting Superman issue two. Right. All right, so let's uh, let's move on and go. Should we skip the table of contents and go straight into Bionic Commando? Yeah, there was nothing in the table of contents for me. Now, Bionic Commando. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't played the game, so all I have to go on story-wise is what they've mentioned here. Now, have you played the game? Yes, this game is awesome, and if you haven't played it, <clears throat> you really should. And you don't, it, you don't have, even have to play the uh, original for Nintendo. They had a really true-to-life remake for uh, the Xbox 360 a few years ago. And uh, it was pretty much the same game, just a graphical update. I mean, it was totally redeveloped, but uh, it was pretty much the same game. And it's just excellent. It's just really good. The, the whole mechanic of you have a arm that shoots out like a grappling hook. You can go straight up, or you can go diagonally, or you can go straight across and use it kind of as a weapon. Um, it's really novel and, and different from a lot of platforming games of the time and uh, into the future. Now, now this arm must be really damn heavy because you can't even jump. (laughs) Right. Now, from the plot, it says here, Super Joe is missing. Now, this makes me wonder, has he gone through the same training as Mario to earn the title of Super? Now, Mario's not a military officer, so it must be like a private agency that trains people to become Supers and then dispatch them to troubled areas. And Mario had several leading roles before he had to be rescued by Luigi or Peach. And Joe has to be rescued in the first game he appears in. So clearly he's the inferior super. Right. And uh, the enemy boss in this game is Master D, which I have to assume is the evil twin of Master P. <laughs> he's master of the D. He's ma- <laughs> Or he's mastered his D. If you know what he's I mean. He's a D master. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> And uh, I really don't have anything to say about this game yet. I'm still beating uh, Legend of Zelda Second Quest. A lot harder to beat it on the Second Quest. It is vicious. Yeah. Good thing I have it on a system that allows like save states because I would have just been like, you know, screw Zelda. She can rot. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly you're not going to get that booty at the end. So you know, why even go through all this frustration? <laughs> she's just gonna, she's just gonna get all friggin' depressed and fall asleep in the next game. So. No, it's just not worth it. So the save states really make the game more uh, palatable because when you get, like, it is watch out for fireballs. As soon as you enter around, like, level five or something, mm. all those wizards and, like, the statues that are just like, guess what? Now the statues hate you, too. Don't know why, but now everyone's, everything is shooting at you. Right. So uh, that's it for Bionic Commando on my end. Do you have anything to add to this? Well, you just reminded me about a challenge you issued me last week. Um, <clears throat> we talked about a game called uh, Gun Dot Smoke, Gun Smoke, and uh, you challenged me to sit, to go and play it because uh, neither one of us have played it. Have you? Have you? Did you get a chance to play it? No, I've uh, still like getting like getting a lot of my ass kicked by the Zelda. <laughs> it's uh, that, I'm trying to do this one at a time, and I'm 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 plowing through it, but it's a it's a tough sloth. Um, well, I played uh, Gunsmoke and um, read I read about it as well. So it's another arcade port, and what's interesting is that um, 
So they had a lot of different ports for it on different systems, even as uh, uh, recent as PlayStation 3 in a, in a Capcom collection. And uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System version is the only one that has significant changes. And um, I didn't know about the changes before I fired up the game. So I fired it right up, and it kind of tells you some backstory if you, let, if you don't start the game and kind of let it just go. And, oh, yeah, the um, little uh, demo screen at the beginning. Yeah, and it talks about... Um, it's it's like a western game and um it's like these bandits have come in the town and the bandits are named Wingates. And I'm like, Wingates? That sounds weird. It like, sounds familiar if you've listened to uh, Van Hel if you've seen Helsing. I'm like Wingates, that sounds really weird. You know. Um and then I start the game and then right up front it has like a wanna poster and uh the first bad guy is like big big bad Bill. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a Microsoft. Yeah, and I was like, it's a Microsoft hit. So apparently those changes are only for the Nintendo version. So whoever Is did Steve the... Steve Jobs uh, behind this? I guess whoever did the localization for it must have really hated Windows and Bill Gates. Oh my gosh. Um, so you get into I'm the game sorry. and it's it's one of those like uh, vertical scrolling ones. It's a top down and you're kind of shooting all the place and... Uh, it, you can buy upgrades and a horse and stuff, you know, so you can take a few shots at a time. And, um, yeah, it's not about killing the bandits. I think the, the third uh, level was in, like, a Comanche village, and I, I think I killed more Indians than uh, Custer. Uh, oh, my gosh. It was, yeah, they were, just, they were jumping around left and right, and I felt bad, so I had to turn it off. <laughs> That's how far I got in Gunsmoke. You realize you're a genocidal monster, and it's time to, uh, you know, just hang it up. And you know, maybe you should leave the maybe you should leave the natives alone. It is their land, after all. That and it was fairly repetitious. <laughs> so it never explained why you have like machine guns and smart bombs in the Wild West. Uh not particularly. No, um, the smart smart bombs. I don't even know how to use. I didn't figure out how to use those, to be honest. But uh, one thing I do know is that. If you're going to play the game, you better have a turbo controller or some kind of uh, turbo control scheme on your ROMs. Because you're all going to uh, be mashing? Otherwise, you're just sitting there mashing it. So luckily for me, I have uh, on my controller, I have turbo buttons. And uh, so it's just firing away constantly. That's the only way to really get through it. Okay. And uh, next seems to be like uh, not much coverage, more like an ad, uh, more like a two-page ad for something called Life Force. Now, I need to play this game because these bosses look dope. <laughs> the first one is a brain with a tentacle arm called Golem, the mayor of Cell Stage. Ganged office for his reputation as a brain, but he has the wit and personality of a French fry. And next is Cruiser Tetron, and he's a dragon and he hates everything, flowers, puppies, and most of all, starships. <laughs> and uh, another one is Giga. And it's a good thing Marvel doesn't know about this game, because he's Red Skull, okay? Like a Terminator and Red Skull combined. And it says, try the method 9 out of 10 dentists use and drill his mouth with lasers, then rinse. <laughs> uh, next is King Tut. Like, King, it's King Tut's face with the little uh, snake on top of the uh, rag with the uh, blue and gold on it. And uh, he gets his jollies beating up space adventurers. And next is Zelos, cosmic munchies and the breath of a baboon. Chows <laughs> down on planets like potato chips. 
So in other words, he's Galactus, and Marvel really needs to know about this game. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it. I can't believe you didn't play Life Force. It's a side-scrolling shooter. With your, it's a classic uh, game, sort of like a sideways uh, Galaga. I definitely um, need to put that on my list. This game looks fantastic. These bosses are fantastic. Yeah, it's not bad. It's uh, challenging, but it's a pretty good game. And uh, this brings us to our title cover game, Simon's Quest. And uh, our brave and noble hero, Simon, learns of a new quest from a gentle princess. You have defeated Dracula, yet you carry his evil curse. Seek out the five parts of Dracula, take him to his castle, and burn them. Mm -hmm. So, essentially, he already dismembered Dracula and spread his parts over the landscape. Why didn't you just tell him then to burn them when he had them when he killed them the first time? Or did Dracula's corpse fly into the air and separate in multiple directions like evil Dragon Balls? Well, supposedly at the end of the first game, um, he Dracula himself tells him, "Oh, you're cursed now, right?" Um, but doesn't exactly tell him like how to resolve the curse. Of course, he's just like, "Oh, you're cursed," and Simon doesn't really know what that means. So the princess is telling him, well, here's what it means. And uh, who knows if that's really true or not. I kind of want to point out the art, though, on this. And I don't know if this this art is in the game or not. So on the right of the page, there's this really awesome art with uh, Simon in his uh, gladiator uh, outfits. And on the left is a illustration of of Dracula's ghost, I would imagine, since he's dead in this game. He looks the way that He-Man should have looked if he didn't look like a gay princess fantasy. Oh, you mean, this, this, this you mean Simon? This is He-Man should have looked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got like the poofy hair and the muscular physique, but he learned to cover it up because, you know, you're going to be going out into a dark castle at night. It's good to have some damn protection. <laughs> well, He-Man was obviously made after to look like Conan the Barbarian. I think they got into a lawsuit and settled. Uh, for some some kind of mount, but uh, that's that's why he didn't have the shirt and all that was because of the Conan the Barbarian. Are you sure Joel Schumacher wasn't involved? <clears throat> I don't think. I think Joel Schumacher might have gotten his inspiration from that. <laughs> There's a Schumacher connection in there somewhere. Okay, so Simon's got the poofy hair mm-hmm. of a uh, of a 17th 18th century fop. But he's got the whip, and uh, Dracula's on his ass, so he's got to do what a man's got to do. Right. And, uh, yeah, the artwork has Dracula looking over with his hand across his chest like he's like, I'll get you next time, Belmont! Next time! Well, <laughs> no, I like that artwork. It's the one on the left page that... Uh, uh, it, <laughs> that one looks goofy as he, shit. I want to be honest. Looks- Dracula looks like he has uh, an extra chromosome. <laughs> Down <laughs> s- countdown syndrome. <laughs> I know that's not really mean. <laughs> you just look at his face, and he just looks like he's it's true. He's <laughs> so menacing in the second picture from the distance, and yet when they have a close-up of him, he looks like. I mean, the Count from Sesame Street is more menacing than this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's just got this really goofy grin. I'd rather like, be stuck in. <laughs> I'd rather be stuck in an alley with Count Chocula than him. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> oh man. Uh, next is the next page has all these whips you, you must master to survive. And I was just wondering, how come you can't ghost ride any of these whips? Hi, oh, there's no cars in the game. <laughs> Did you ever play what? Castlevania 2? 
Um, this was one of the first games I played on Nintendo when I was at a friend's place, and he had this game, but again, with no manual, no context, it was a very frustrating and isolated experience, because it was never just me at his place, mm -hmm. it was always like he had minded a bunch of friends, and I was along by proxy, and, uh, we all had to rotate whenever someone died, and in a game with no help, no, uh, no, no persistent experience, you die a lot. And just as soon as you think, I've got this, and you have to pass the controller to someone else, and sharing video games sucks. And uh, that's this is one of those games I'm going to have to play. I'm pretty sure with uh, save states and being left alone, I could probably I could probably do this game. Well, from what I read, <laughs> I, I, I do remember playing this game very briefly at a friend's house. I never had uh, Castlevania 2. Um it was extremely difficult, and they seem to know a lot about it. But um, from everything I read about it, there are a lot of people who praise this game as being way ahead of its time and being the first of a platforming RPG of sorts and uh, paving the way for games like uh, Symphony of the Night, um, which is a classic Castlevania game later oh. on in the PlayStation days, right? Good game. Um, but a lot of people complained about um, it got criticized for the puzzles because um, there's no um, – they don't make any sense. There's no clues to give you, right? There's just like a random wall somewhere. You have to walk through or know to smash or know to kneel down and use a white yeah. crystal at the specific point in time. Yeah, they, re right? they require prior knowledge of some kind. Yeah, there's almost no way to get through this game without a walkthrough. And um, the, what makes it even more difficult is, yeah, it says to talk to the villagers. Well, the creator of the game, and even in Nintendo Power, it says, don't believe everything you hear because a few pranksters look about. Yeah, they, they fear the wrath of Dracula, so beware false advice, which is a great way to say our dialogue editors <laughs> effed up. Yeah, well, not just that. They uh, admittedly... All villagers purposely lie to you and try to mislead you. So there's not one person in the game that is legitimately trying to help you or give you an, a clue for a puzzle. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So they were even lying when they said some of them are lying. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think they knew. <laughs> so that, that's how um, frustrating this game can be is uh, you, you just don't have anyone on your side to help you with some of the puzzles. It's not necessarily the action that gets you... It's uh, just being able to make it through to different areas and not having any kind of guide or even hints within the yeah, game why itself. Would, why would you want to save this uh, this this country when every person in every town is basically screwing you? Like, no, let Dracula eat you and your children. <laughs> Go to hell, you bastards. I don't care. Well, that's the thing. I don't, I don't know that he would, except the curse is on him. And that he doesn't get rid of this curse within seven days, he is going to die, basically. Unless he makes someone else watch the video and then they get to do it. <laughs> well, here's what the funny part is this game. So it actually keeps track of time. And if you beat the game within seven days, that's the only way to get the good ending. Where you kill Dracula and the curse is removed. If you killed Dracula and beat the game in between 7 and 14 game days, where it goes from night to, to dark cycles, then you um, you both die. You and Dracula both die because you didn't beat the curse. <laughs> and if you take longer than 14 game days, then you die, and Dracula wins. 
<laughs> do you die on the 14th day, like, just period? Or, like, you kill Dracula, but it's just like, guess what, bitch? You took too long, and now you're dead. Yeah, pretty much. They wait until you actually beat the game to tell you I that don't you recall seeing it. I don't recall seeing a game timer in the uh, Nintendo coverage, so this is just something you only learn by playing the game itself. Right. I read this in, uh, yeah, I read this about people who have beaten the game. Oh, my gosh. You think they would tell you, by the way, when it changes at night, don't try to, like, don't try to, like, keep waiting for the nighttime to come if you want to, like, fight certain guys or uh, acquire hearts or shit because you only get a certain amount of nights. Oh, my gosh. Even Nintendo Power is lying to us. <laughs> is nobody free of Dracula's nefarious influence? Well, <laughs> well, you still beat the game. You just don't get the good ending, you know? Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, you... Uh, you can face demons at night. Uh, were there any games before that had this mechanic of day and night? I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, I can't remember one of any any of them, to be honest. I, I remember Jack. Uh, I think Jekyll and Hyde had one, but we're not going to talk about that. The nerds said enough about it. Uh, yeah, so, so that, I was just. They've got yeah, a nice so little just, map in here of uh, the world of Castlevania. It shows different castles you go to. Uh, different areas and woods and stuff. So there's a good a good amount of uh, places to explore in this. Um, it's a fairly difficult game, but with a walkthrough, I think you can get through it. Uh, and beyond that, if we're done with Castlevania, um, uh, I uh, I did want to like comment on uh, some sure. of the uh, things that they that they mentioned, like uh, like you know that they definitely do fear Dracula, even though they're lying on his behalf, because when nighttime comes. They, they 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 take off, like the, the gates, the, the doors are closed. No one's talking to anybody, and uh, you know the enemies are even stronger at night, which is really the time when Belmont should uh, you know be if you're looking to gather hearts. Like nighttime seems to be like the best time to do that because that's when the monsters are coming out. So, like, if I do play this game, I know that I'm going to be saying, I'm going to, I know that I'm going to be singing, day and night, the lonely Belmont seems to free as whip at night. <laughs> but, uh, so the first clue Nintendo says is, don't, Nintendo Power says, don't leave town without buying the wares. With hearts, and I'm like, you take hearts as currency? What the friggin' hell? Yeah, and here's like, the, here's the kicker with that. They're so, working with Dracula. Just like in the first game. You can get like secondary weapons like the cross or the holy water. Yeah, well, using those eats up hearts. Well, guess what hearts are also used for? Currency, which you need in order to buy things. So can you imagine using uh, like cash as weapons? You go, or like, <laughs> you now, go, do these hearts, do these replenish your life force or do you need like a potion to replenish your life force and collect hearts for currency? You need to collect hearts for currency to buy potions to restore your life force. <laughs> so collecting hearts will not restore your life force, apparently. Nope. So Link would die in this world. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> He'd think, all right, I got a heart. I'm going to be okay. Wait a second. Why am I still beeping? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're supposed to get a white crystal and a thorn whip and holy water, and you leave town, but uh, in true video game fashion, don't go left. You must head right. The left way leads to death. Mm -hmm. You must gain great power because apparently these woods are filled with great responsibility. <laughs> and in the town of Viros, uh, 
All I have to say about that town is, that's the sound of Simon working on the chain whip. <laughs> I wasn't going to sing. I was going to sing, but then I thought, yeah, I already sang. This working isn't a, on the chain whip. Whip. Dun, dun, dun. There you go. Uh, and now, if you want an education, you would go to Berkeley. Now, this isn't a, an academy. This is a mansion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd have to say, while you're there, you should definitely try the steak because it really sticks to your ribs. Hi-oh. <laughs> That's our way of saying that at Berkeley Mansion, you must find an or an oak steak, drive into the orb, because apparently there's no bosses in this game for a while. But you must have the right equipment. I don't even know if they tell you in the game or in the manual. But you must have a stake. And you're not driving it through Dracula. You're driving it through apparently a crystal orb. And inside are the parts of Dracula. I don't know how he got in those orbs or whatever. The logistics of this game are uh, baffling. And uh, after you do that, you move on to the town of Alba. Where you are told to get the laurel. I guess nobody cares about the hardy, though. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, another big thing, you have to trade your white crystal for a blue one. And there's a little picture where it says, Hi-yo, you didn't expect a secret passage. So apparently that's the place where you have to just, for some, with very little game context, find that spot and just sit and wait for your blue crystal to save you. Yeah. It's shit like that. It's shit like that, Simon's Quest, which is why I will (laughs) never play this game. (laughs) I think this will be one of the last games I play. I'm definitely going to put this low on the list. uh, I'm going to try Rygar first. And uh, then you go to the mansion of Lobber to get Dracula's heart. And uh, some old lady has the oak stake that you need to pierce the orb. So apparently every time you... You don't even get to keep the oak stake. Every time you you smash it with an orb, like apparently that neutralizes both of them. Apparently, I guess I guess, I guess they just don't make wood like they used to. I don't. Know. You can you can only smash a crystal with it once. Yeah, you can't and, just find uh, an oak tree and just make a bunch of stakes at once. No, he's got to go find it from a specific person. That's yeah, that's bullshit. Then, <laughs> then you have to find a dead river and uh, board the ferry at the first opportunity. Now you know back in my day, the ferryman just needed two silver coins. Now it's the heart of Dracula that you need to get the Bram's Mansion. And, uh, you know, freaking inflation is a bitch. Uh, then you go to Bram's Mansion. I believe that's where, Brahms. Uh, and well, uh, Brahms is a uh, it's a, a fast food joint out in the Midwest. And uh, fast food slash ice cream, mostly ice cream, actually. Yeah. They have a little store as well. Delicious. If you ever get the chance, you're out in yeah. Oklahoma or Texas, get Brahms. So good. Yep. Yeah. And whether you're going to Brahms or you're going to the Brahms Mansion, don't fear the Reaper. Because he's there, but apparently he's pretty easy to beat. Now, what gets me is the drawing that they have for him. He's more cowbell, that's all I have to say. (laughs) He has a a rope. He looks like an evil version of Orko from (laughs) He-Man. Now, he has a skull, but look at his arms holding the scythe. And they're meaty bones and fingers, like regular bones and fingers. Like, if he's a skeleton, where's the tibula, the fibula, the humerus? Like, there's no bones. Mm -hmm. Like, just his face is bones. And uh, in typical Nintendo fashion, right when it gets hard, they puss out. (laughs) And it's just like, steal yourself for the final challenge. 
Get the needles in the rings. Well, thanks for ditching me, sons of bitches. The quest continues without us. And, <laughs> <laughs> and next is the uh, the foldout map, mm-hmm. which should be helpful, except is it game maps? No, it's just some drawing, which is basically just like flavor art, since it's telling you, oh, this is, this is where everything's all connected to each other. But it's like, yeah, why don't you actually show me what I can find in each level? You got enough page space for it. But no, they decided to just waste it. And like, instead of actual coverage, like the previous pages, or, you know, how about you show me Castle Dracula and, you know, how to fight the Prince of Darkness. And uh, the back of it is just as helpful because it's a fold-out poster for Bionic Commando, where you get to see uh, Bionic Commando holding a gun with his arm, and apparently Super Joe with a grappling hook gun. (laughs) That's right. And uh, next is more coverage of Super Mario Brothers 2, Mm -hmm. but, you know, didn't need it... uh, you know what, they covered it last game, and we covered it last issue, so unless there was anything new that you want to talk about, I'm done with this one. Yeah, they kind of just go through uh, some some repeats of what the game is about again, like about picking your character, and they have some better uh, descriptions of the character this time. It's almost like they, they redo, you know, hey, uh, we did a shitty job last time, let's talk about the characters again. And then they, after that, they pick up where they left off and start talking about level three and onwards. And it has Astro. your favorite uh, interpretation of Mario, where he has the blue hat. <laughs> Multiple yeah, they're times. Really sti- yeah. They're really sticking with that, except for the first page where it says Super Mario Brothers 2. And uh, then it has Poison Toad with blue dots, mm-hmm. but Red Hat Mario. And then Mario again has a red hat, and he's holding a flower. And Luigi's got like his hand, be- his hand behind his back. And another hand, like, holding a uh, his fingers up. And both of them look like they're at the door, nervous on a blind date. <laughs> yep. And uh, and they talk about Mouser, and, uh, you know, they don't talk about Wart or anything. So it's not even complete. They've covered it twice in two issues, and it's still not complete. So you're off to a lousy start, Howard Phillips. <laughs> you, you got to... You got you got to step up your game a bit. Mm-hmm. Now the next game is Renegade. I've taken a few looks at this, and basically it looks like a shitty graphic version of a double dragon. Of a, a, a double dragon, except if it features a pri- an escape prisoner, because mm. this guy's in an orange jumpsuit. So either he's a janitor or an escape prisoner. Either way, <laughs> it's a disappointing story, disappointing graphics, and the coverage is just as disappointing. So I'll stick with Double Dragon. Thank you very much. <laughs> what was interesting was the I'd never heard of Renegade, Renegade first off, but uh, the first screenshot they have is, is obviously their start menu, and it, it has Japanese text um, for where you have start and play and all that kind of stuff. So it looks like that, but it actually just says one player game, two player oh, game, really? player level one. But yeah, I made that same mistake when I looked at it, just glancing. I was just like. Is this Chinese or Korean? And oh, then I looked I at it, it's just like, oh, no, it is English. You just have to squint and zoom. You have to squint. And, uh, you know, there's only one thing that would make this game uh, playable, even at the beginning, is if the start screen had, like, oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Because, you know, if you can play Styx's Renegade, then that justifies 
this whole game existence. Yeah. I never even knew what that song was called. Really? Yeah. I'm a renegade. It's it's a it's a pretty it's 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 a pretty rockin' song. And next is a game that has a special place in my heart because it began my disdain for racing games <laughs> due to the <laughs> due to the lack of a manual which explaining which of these power ups are good and which were power downs, mm. uh, which was frustrating. And I liked video games where I had things to destroy. Uh, this is RC Pro Am. It discusses skulls, turbo, uh, hot engines to help you burn rubber, but sticky tires to help you hug curves. The graphics, I have to say, are not bad at all for a Nintendo game, but uh, I would not like racing games until Burnout 2 and 3. <laughs> yeah, I think I played RC Pro Am as an adult, but I never I never had the opportunity to play it as a, as a kid. It, it's pretty good, though. It's kind of like uh, Mario Kart before Mario Kart came out, almost. Yep. And uh, next is classified information. Uh, pretty slim pickings in this one, because you don't even get uh, two-page two spreads. You just get three single pages. Mm -hmm. And uh, the games discussed are Kid Nikki, Kid Ninja. I never heard of it, although the graphics uh, from the pictures look rather interesting. You've got like a... Uh, a flat, rocky grass level, an ice level, and then what appears to be uh, inside the Loch Ness Monster, because you go down a long rib ladder, and then a long vertebrae ladder, and then some ribs. So, uh, I have to say it looks... And then you fight... Another one has a, a picture of you fighting this monster who looks like a little version of Kraid from Metroid. It's supposedly and, uh, called the uh, the Green Grub. I have to say, I never heard of this game at all, but it looks like I should, uh, you know, give it a shot when I see its name in my list of games. Next when is... When you do that, I'm going to give a shot to Renegade, which they also <laughs> talk about. You can, play that, you can play that game because I am okay. never going to touch it. There are motorcycles in it. You get to ride a motorcycle. That's all I'm saying. You get to beat people up in different things, apparently an orange jumpsuit, and there are motorcycles. It can't be all that bad. Okay, maybe I'll... I'll That'll be my I'll, challenge. I'll give you it check a out shot. Kid Nicky, I'll check out Renegade, and we will compare to see which okay. was the better game. And, if, and see if we can talk each other into playing the other game. That's right. Because <laughs> uh, it talks about easy hearts and P-marks providing power. I don't know what that is, and I don't care. Uh, next is... It says Kid get a burger boost, which sounds delicious. Oh, shit. I'm going to have to... Where does it say that? At the top. Oh, get a burger boost. You deserve a break today. I wonder if they, McDonald's had that uh, had that slogan out or if they got it from this. Hmm. Uh, well, it closes out with some tips from Kid Icarus cracking the code of the treasure rooms. Now, this means nothing to me right now because I haven't played Kid Icarus. But uh, I think we all became aware of Kid Icarus, even if we hadn't played the games, just by watching Captain N, the Game Master. Ah, uh, yes. But, uh, but this one doesn't talk, so that's a bonus. And it's on my to-do list. Now, when it, Captain N came out, I think around 1988, around the same time, right? Uh, 89, 90? I know uh, it had been around for a bit, because I think the second season began with uh, them introducing the character of Game Boy. Hmm. So, uh, I know a year before the Game Boy came out. Well, I remember they started off with the whole Super Mario Brothers Super Show, where it had uh, live-action sequences with... Captain Lou Albano of of uh, wrestling fame and 
Oh yeah, I got my nephews the watching day. that show. It's a, uh, it, it's pretty neat to see all the cameos mm-hmm. that appeared on the show. It's like, it, it's 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 surprising to see the stars that were just like, yeah, Nintendo, let's do this. Swing and, um, your arms from side to side. Come on, jump up, do the Mario. Mario. Swing your arms and back again. Jump up and forth and do the Mario. Uh, next is Howard and Nestor. Uh, this begins with Nestor with Howard seeing a long lineup, and it looks like uh, you know Star Wars is screening there just by the long lineup. But it is not Star Wars being screened. Nestor is a game wizard holding a clubhouse for kids to show them how to beat Nintendo games. And I don't know why he has an orange console. Maybe it's because this was animated in Japan and they were used to the orange top-down ones. But he's holding an orange controller saying, first you do this and then, and they're going, oh wow. And Howard Phillips, I told you before, Howard Phillips is a douche. This is where he reveals it. He walks to Nestor and he says, sounds like you got your new issue. Isn't that tip from page 48? You know, just completely blowing Nestor's Nestor's, uh, thunder. Mm -hmm. And now page 48 of this issue is coverage of Super Mario Bros. 2. And Nest, tricky little guy that he is, reaches for his latest issue of Nintendo Power only to find that Howard has pulled his own magic trick and made it vanish and begins reading the clues in Super Mario Bros. 2 that you should use potions in grassy areas, and then he waves the reader off to see them in the next issue, while Nestor is still dressed like an elderly Link. And, uh... Although how he intended to read in front of a crowd while avoiding detection remains a mystery to me. And I have to side with Ness on this one. Howard is a prick. He's the type of he's the type of guy that would go to a magic show and yell out how the self-inflating soda can trick is used by using black paper on the lip, or that the hoop has a cut in it to pass around the strings. Right. Uh, Ness doesn't seem to be scamming the kids out of their money. He doesn't seem to be running a con or any kind. He's just, you know, trying to put on a show to impress some kids. And uh, that bow-tight bastard has to come along and uh, just disillusion these poor kids. Yeah, so he he remembered by from heart what page the tip was on, which confuses me because then he has to open up to that page to remember the tip. Yeah, so apparently he's been scoping this for a while because he not only knew about the tip, about the page number, he also managed to uh, to lift Howard's, uh, Ness's comic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he has to be a total prick and be like, hey, here's the magician's coat, here's the magician's uh, manual, and here's how he does all the card tricks and shit. This is where he was hiding the dove, and it's like... Right. Yeah, the the kids love it, but, you know, you're a prick. Hey, is that a live rabbit under the table? You know, yeah, like kick the kick the table. I'm sure the rabbit's not hiding there under the left leg. No, go ahead. Right. Uh, next is Counselor's Corner. Counselor's uh, Corner. We discussed where the warp zones are in Super Mario Brothers. Uh, it's a good tip. Uh, next is how do I defeat Kraden Ridley? And the answer may surprise you. It's shoot them without getting hit so much. Oh, hold on. You you skipped the page about the Legend of Zelda ones. Now I have to ask: um, Did you use this, and was this helpful to you? I haven't been using the, uh, well, one of them is finding the the letter to get uh, buy magic potions, and because I use save states, I just don't need to find out where the uh, letter is, <laughs> but I have got to, uh, I've got to admit, I do need a map of all the dungeons mm-hmm. that came with this issue. I need it to play with power, because this game is fun. Mm. 
It is awful. Uh, you you can't even like bomb the walls and think, well, there's nothing here because guess what? There's unbombable invisible walls. Like you just have to press against walls to see, like, oh, do I do, do I phase through into another room? <laughs> yep. So it's uh, and then like when you have a uh, a room full of little full of bricks. It's like, oh great, so I gotta push each one and the best part is it's like you have to push them in each in one's in different directions yep. to find out. So having a map or coverage from the issues is definitely a lifesaver. I need to play with power. Mm-hmm. And uh it is not fun playing on its uh playing on your own for discovery. Well, my favorite part of this Council's Corner is the one about Kid Icarus, where it says, In Kid Icarus, where do I find the credit card? <laughs> my answer for that is, I just waited at home until I got a pre-approved one in the mail. <laughs> I wonder if they say, well, once you find the credit card, then uh, you can call the uh, Player's Hotline for Nintendo Power. I'm surprised that there's a credit card in Kid Icarus. It looks like it's supposed to be done in, like, ancient Greece. Because I remember seeing some gameplay of it, and there was a lot of, like, pillars, and, uh... You know, it looked very Greek in the ancient Greek in the architecture, and you're walking around with a bow and arrow instead of a gun. So I kind of imagine that this didn't have credit cards. Yeah. Unless there was, unless there was some equivalent in ancient Greece where, like, having a, uh where you would carry, like, a card of some kind to indicate that you will just take a debt to someone. But, you know, I can't imagine... I can't imagine needing that in Kid Icarus. Like, that that would have been a shock to me. Well, it's so weird. They they say, in the treasure chambers, there are several big pots. If you break all of the pots and the god of poverty doesn't appear, a special item will be there in his place. That item could be the credit card. Uh, the terrible. god of the god of poverty, you know, like you you can get visited by the god of poverty if you do have a credit card and you use it poorly. Exactly, you'd have a god <laughs> of a collection agency. Be careful, <laughs> and then the god of repossession will take your car. That's right. <laughs> and uh, next is next. The next game covered is Golgo Thirteen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have never, ever heard of this game, but damn, the cover of it looks great. Uh, the guy himself, Gogo13, looks like a a, uh, a more cold and serious Lupin the Third. And uh, it's an interesting Cold War espionage story featuring a KGB operative, but as a good guy? I gotta say, this is a very progressive game that, you know, it portrayed that maybe not all Russia may not have been evil as Ronald Reagan would have wanted you to believe. I mean, to show a Russian character as a sympathetic good guy, or being like a like a double agent or whatever. And the agent profiles they show on the side are a male and female, which are all essentially the same face for male and females, but with earrings, mustaches swapped around. And, uh... It starts off in Berlin, where the CIA and the KGB are both after you. You meet people in the subway. You search an underwater hideout, and it looks a ton easier than the Ninja Turtles level. And it ends with a uh, first-person 3D maze. And that's just, like, the first mission. And there are parts of it where that feature pan and zoom, where it, it takes a first-person perspective, and you see what Gulgo, what Gulgo sees. And you scour the globe, seeking information on the... Uh, on the uh, organization that framed you. Uh, my verdict? 
I have got to try this out. What do you have to say about this game? I have wanted to play this game since I read about it in Nintendo Power way back in the day as a kid. Um, it just sounds awesome. It looks awesome. And I, I never really hear anything about it, so I wonder if it's just terrible. Either that or it's just a hidden gem that, that we never hear about anymore. It's even got like uh, almost 3D passages. I mean, rudimentary, but it has some 3D maze uh, capabilities in it. And there's tons of dialogue and story in the game, which is unusual for a Nintendo game. Um, you kind of wonder how much they could fit into one of those cartridges. And uh, this game seems extremely progressive for its time. If it, if it wasn't good, at least it was ambitious in, in trying, to, trying to hit the more hardcore uh, market, especially this, for uh, just a few years into a Nintendo console. This is definitely something that we have got to try just to, like, all right, Nintendo Power, you got me interested. I've got to see what the hell this game is about. It looks fantastic. The premise is amazing. The concept sounds great. The, art, the graphics look pretty damn decent. Uh yeah, we gotta we gotta review this later for this magazine to let us know if uh if a Nintendo Power uh sold us a bill of goods or if they uh, did a good job. Absolutely. And next is Blaster Master. Now immediately I'm disappointed that you don't get to lead the life of a little genius riding on the back of a powerful moron <laughs> in an post apocalyptic world. <laughs> I guess this world does need another hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but, did but you play instead this game? of did you play Blaster Master? I don't think so, oh, but I definitely got to say it looks damn good. It's, it's got an introdu- It's got an introductory cut. It's got an introductory cutscene of uh, a kid who looks like Wheeler from Captain Planet in a wife beater, and he he loses his frog, who ends up playing with the radioactive waste he has in his backyard. <laughs> This is a sloppy game. This is the most ridiculous storyline ever for like the best game ever. I, my friends and I, even back back in the day when we were kids, would laugh about this storyline. It was so ridiculous. Like his pet frog escapes and jumps into a random canister in his backyard, marked radiation, grows big and jumps into a hole. So the kid this- jumps in the hole after him, and lo and behold, there's this giant tank type machine in there. And he gets into it, and that's how the game starts. <laughs> now, apparently this was based on a Japanese game, which has a completely different cutscene in the beginning, and it's a, a very different story. Hmm. Now, I haven't... May make sense. I, I didn't find out about the Japanese one, but it, it they had... Okay, here's the gist of it. They had to tone down the story to this, because the Japanese one was convoluted and silly. <laughs> so, that tells you... What the Japs did with this one, where they just thought, "How about a boy chases his massive frog down up down a pit and finds a tank? How about we just make it that instead, so it just gets the story moving along?" Every boy has got a pet frog. Well, and I remember when I was a boy, I had three pet frogs and a tarantula and a little fish. Well, I would go chasing after them anywhere. <laughs> yep, so you're a boy named Jason who's playing with this frog who who found the box of radioactive. He found the box of radioactive and he grew until he fell into the earth 
And then Jason jumped in and uh, found an armored vehicle to foil the plans of the evil Plutonium Boss. Again, he looks like a kid from Captain Planet, and you have a guy called Plutonium Boss and his band of radioactive, mu- radioactive mutants. But Captain Planet isn't checking his messages, so it's up to Wheeler, I mean Jason. Now, this begs the question, if you're old enough to drive a tank, what are you doing playing with frogs? <laughs> And uh, the next two-page article shows a series of uh, bosses, like mutated animals, like a jellyfish, an antlion, blocks, a crab, another antlion, and then there's two stages where you have to fight a giant frog. So I'm just guessing from this that you have found your pet, but he no longer recognizes you, and you now must put him out of his misery, as, his, as well as his laser-powered offspring in a later stage. Uh, it's kind of a touching narrative in my mind that your beloved pet is the victim of pollution. You must search for him only to find out that tragically he cannot be saved and you must end his cancerous, painful existence and then take on a mission of vengeance. Except, and although he looks like Wheeler from Captain Planet, the only flames he has is vengeance burning within him. This is a heavy story. Now, how far off am I? Uh, yeah, the story plays no role in the entire game beyond the intro. Um, they don't, oh my gosh! There's you no, don't search for the frog. There's no tearful reunion. No, there's no tearful reunion. I mean, you could see that they have a screen capture of the ending of the game right there, where it's just a kid on top of a on top of his tank, looking out into the distance. Off right, of a and cliff. his frog and his, and his frog's not in his lap. No, you know, with the, with the same view of him on a cliff looking off into the mountains, I'm just picturing Dracula's castle fading into uh, oblivion. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's a crossover <laughs> game. <laughs> In, in, uh, on one of those mountains, Belmont's looking at him. <laughs> that's right. They're just looking at each other. Is that Dracula up there? No, that's Blaster Master. <laughs> well, this game has two modes to it. It's got a side-scrolling mode uh, platformer, which is um, you're in this tank and it can jump and shoot in all kinds of different directions. You can get different weapons for it and upgrades. You can eventually get like a, almost kind of like hover hover jets. So we can fly short distances using some energy, um, and it, it's extremely it's it's all puzzles and um, extremely fun to play. And then once you get into like the boss area, well, then the pu- it changes. Lo- you get out of the tank, and uh, it turns I'm into looking, more like an isometric uh, view. I'm looking at the weapons here, yeah, and this seems very Metroid analogous. Because one of the orbs in the middle that says 20 is a ball with a lightning bolt in it, which looks exactly like the screw attack from Metroid. And the, uh, the power-ups on the, on the upper side are reminiscent of uh, a Super Metroid, where you can choose like the hyper beam mm-hmm. or uh, wall jump and stuff like that. That's, that seems to be what you can use to upgrade your car, Sophia the Third. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why it has that name. This must be based on anime. I've got to do some more research on this game. And it's got the crusher beam and a hyper windshield, according to the uh, if the schematic is to be believed. Mm-hmm. So uh, this looks like it's got very Metroid-esque qualities to it, if you gather these abilities. Sure. And uh, you're fighting massive things. i got to say, this game looks damn interesting. Well, one of the uh, interesting parts about it is you actually look at uh, the screen capture for stage four there with the frog sticking his tongue out, and they stick. His, <laughs> I, I kind of mentioned and this, he, and he's giving him a, a and he's giving him like a judo punch kick combo. 
<laughs> to the side of the head. That's right. Like th- this is how you put your buddy out of his misery. He found his friend, mm-hmm. and but when he started attacking him, he's just like, "Sorry, buddy, this hurts me more than you." And then he proceeds to punch him until his head explodes. Well, uh, one of the ways to beat that specific boss, and I think a few others, is kind of like a cheat. And I mentioned this in a previous um, episode where if you shoot one of the bad guys at just the right moment and hit pause at the same time, and it'll prolong hitting that bad guy. Like the bullet is just slowly going through him. Every time you want to pause, it registers as a new hit. Well, no, you just leave it paused for like five minutes, and then you come back, you unpause it, and the guy's dead (laughs) instantly. What? You mean like somehow it's hurting him while time is stopped? Yeah, it's like it has. A, it's like a glitch in the game where you can pause it at the exact moment that uh, he flashes, like he's hit. Then uh, it prolongs that that uh, injury. I would imagine that turbo starting would like take it out of a pause menu, and then each each time it comes back to reality, then it would uh, then it would register as a new hit as long as it's passing through him. But I didn't know that stopping time entirely would be like. Uh, you know, the scene from X-Men First Class where the guy just pushes the bullet through the guy. Yeah. So that's that's one of the... I, I'm curious to see if uh, they cover Blaster Master in the future and if they detail that glitch as like a way to beat it or not. I can't wait to see what the uh, next issue has to say about it. Next takes us to video shorts. And uh, just going to breeze through this. They cover Xenophobe, which obviously has alien artwork on it. I mean, the... <laughs> And even Zeno from the Xenomorphs, mm-hmm. and you're the exterminator. Rip and, off. Uh, it is kind enough to show kids how to pronounce it, and it's obviously an alien ripoff. Mm-hmm. Next is Saycross, which is which has a uh, space bike scene in it that looks too much like Battletoads. Bad memories. Not going to touch it. Uh, <laughs> Superman. The description describes Superman himself rather than what you do in this actual game. So I'm not very hopeful for it. Has there been a single decent Superman video game? I remember playing Death and Return of Superman for the Super Nintendo, where you get to play the varying uh, Superman mm. until Cyborg Superman reveals his nature, and then you have to fight him with the, uh, you know, uh, Black Grunge Superman. <laughs> and uh, I remember not having any uh, problems with that game. It okay. was playable. The mechanics worked. You got to feel like the Man of Steel. It was a. Uh, I remember it being a pretty decent game. Okay, well that might be the only one out there because I played uh, Superman the for the N sixty four. Oh, you poor man! Oh, just I had to after the after the nerds' evisceration of the damn thing. I got to you know I said to myself, it can't be just flying through rings. He's got to be blowing it out of proportion for the sake of his review. It's got to be showmanship. It can't be that bad. Right. No one would rush a game through production like that without giving us some kind of, you know, you're making a game. They would they would have to have had places where you can play Superman. I mean, it just has to be. But no. And next is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You rescue kids and defeat Mola Ram. Uh, I don't think being a Nintendo game that they would show you uh, the Kali Ma scene, but uh, <laughs> and mostly you ride around in minecarts. That's all I got to say. And uh, at the very bottom is something called Lee Trevino's, Trevino's Fighting Golf. 
Now, I just looked at this, I just read this because I thought, I've got to play this game, and it turns out, it's just fucking golf. You don't get to snipe people with a <laughs> golf ball from a grassy knoll. You don't get to be Casey Jones with a nine iron taking it to the temple of some assholes. It's just completely misleading. There's no fighting in this game, and damn it, I want to be a golf sniper now. I know, I was hoping I want- it would at least be like uh, the Happy Gilmore type golf, where you're kind of like running <laughs> up to the ball and whacking it, you know. But get in the hole! Get in the hole! Yeah, then you That's get to your fight hole! with, uh, what's his name? Bob Barker. Yeah. He's a mini, <laughs> he's an end-level boss. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Happy Gilmore. That would have been a fighting golf game. Exactly. That would have been damn good. You get to go double dragon on Bob Barker. Oh, man, why didn't we get that? And next- damn, you Sa- <laughs> damn you, Sandler. Even when you impress, you disappoint. And next up, we've got uh, 1943. Oh, man, I love this game. That's all i got to say. The 1942 was a good game. 1943, better game. Oh, that reminds me. Um, when I talk about Gunsmoke, Gunsmoke's engine is based off of 1942, as is 1943. It's the same game engine. Well, that sounds like it's playable then. Yeah. Uh, then after that is Jackal. Do you remember playing Jackal? Uh, no, but I'm kind of disappointed that you don't get to fight or play as Carlos the Jackal. Carlos the Jackal? Yeah, he's a, uh, he's a, uh, terrorist from a while ago. I think he sent out letter bombs, or, uh, we're gonna have to wiki him after, because I know of him. Is that that bad Bruce Willis movie where he kisses another dude? (laughs) There was, I think it was, um, Night of the Jackal. Oh, okay. Or, um, The Hunter, but... Yeah, Carlos the Jackal. You're gonna have to wiki him okay. after the show. It's a, uh, it's a good, uh, it's a story. But this one, I never heard of it. Yeah, I hadn't either until a friend of mine introduced me to it uh, back in high school, and I played it at that point, which was uh, obviously much later than than when it came out originally. But it is actually a pretty phenomenal game. You go around, you rescue uh, prisoners of war, and uh, they actually help power you up a little bit. And uh, you, you, um, that's basically your mission. You go around and fight tanks and all the kinds of, and other things like that in your jeep. I gotta say, the screenshots of it look like it's a uh, like a traditional drive around, shoot 'em up. It's kind of like. Do you remember playing the Ninja Turtles game? Um, uh, I think it was one of those games that was at a friend's place. I never had it for myself, so uh, I remember finding some levels where you ha- you couldn't like jump around or get to the water level in the sewers and then that was just when I'm just like I want to play something else. Well there were modes where you're in the actual uh turtle van and you're driving around. It's the same kind of controlled control scheme as that. Hmm. But in an open world. So Is that good or bad? It's pretty good. Okay, next is Adventure well so then we'll have to uh we'll have to check it out then. Mm-hmm. Next is Adventure Island. I remember playing this. It's a good platformer game. Uh, you get there's this picture of a guy fighting in an ice level, only wearing a leafy loincloth, and uh, you know you got no problem with that. Okay. Uh, next is Magmax. You must assemble a robot to fight a three-headed dragon fortress called Babylon, which is surprisingly not a massive Jamaican police officer. <laughs> Babylon, Jamaican. Yeah, that's what. What? Yeah, that's what they that's what they call the cops. Hmm. If you ever hear like a uh, a reggae song and they're like, "In calling in the Babylon, that's the meaning," like whatever 
googly talk they do. The Babylon is uh, the cops. I've never heard of that. Interesting. I know. Like, it's surprisingly a lot of Judaism. Like, they talk about, Oh, holy Mount Zion, Jesse did on Mount Zion. So, like, Zion is uh, tied in with uh, Judaism. Like, uh, whenever anti-Semites go on a rant, they'll often, like, all frothing at the mouth. They'll also talk about, like, friggin' Zionists and their damn conspiracies. So, you know, Zion has to do with, uh, you know, like a mountain or uh, something about Judean history. And mm. so does Babylon. Right. Which was a, a city that uh, fell. And, uh, you know, they talk about the Babylon in their reggae songs. So, yeah, reggae's, you know, surprisingly a lot of Jewish influence. All right, next up we have this uh, section that hasn't appeared previously called the classics. Yep. And, uh, and first up they've got Donkey Kong classics, which has with Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., so you get to swap out hero and villain in the same mm-hmm. game pack, which is pretty sweet. Uh, Pac-Man. Now the artwork. Well, hold here on. Did is you ever? Is... I want to talk about Donkey Kong for a second. Have you ever, have you ever watched uh, King of Quarters? Yes, the uh, the famous kill screen uh, contests that they have, and uh, the 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 quarrel between these two guys, which is mm-hmm. like one guy seems like an underdog, and the other guy just seems like an asshole. But you could just as easily swap those around mm-hmm. the narrative and see that the other guy's an asshole. But it's like it's a freaking video game. Like I love video games, but you're just you you turned it into like a like like you've discovered the Matrix code behind the reality of our universe or something. It's, it's a game. I, I love all the. It's drama a great documentary, that. though. So I good. mean, it's such a pressing story. Uh, it's got heart. It's definitely a very good documentary to watch. If you love video games and the history behind them, it uh, takes drama, the technical values of the game. It's definitely uh, worth watching. Kill screen, but, uh, kill screen coming up. Oh, yeah. like It's just like, it's a kill screen guy. Kill screen coming up. Mm-hmm. Like One guy, he's, he's the lookout. Uh, next is Pac-Man. Pac-Man. And the graphics on this are fairly good. Now, the artwork, to me, tells a little story. Pac-Man has a green hat on, (laughs) but he's got a big-ass smile while the ghosts are chasing him. Like, you know, and he knows he did something wrong. (laughs) And and to me, like, I think he banged the pink ghost, and now he's going on for a fun run. And all the other ghosts are, all the other ghosts are trying to give him what he deserves. (laughs) He just looks like, like you, he has this. You don't smile, touch one of our own. Like he lit a, bla- a, a bag of uh, flaming shit on their front porch and rang the doorbell. <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah, oh, can't catch me. Yeah, I banged, I banged, I banged your pink ghost and I left a flimp, left a bag of flaming dookie on your front lawn and right. come and get me, bastards. <laughs> I mean, he's got such good. He's got that look of a prick who did something wrong. Like he. He's got something coming to him, and the ghosts are looking to give it to him. Yep. Next is uh, uh, Defender, Defender and Millipede, Joust, Xevious, and Galaga. Well, hold Any on. Comments? I want to talk about Joust for a second. All right. So uh, in uh, middle school, for me, there was this little snack area uh, that we can go to in the middle of classes between breaks, and they had a, a couple of arcade machines there. And uh, one of them had a number of classics on it. And uh, we figured out 
that if we went to the wall and turned the off-on switch for the arcade machine really, really fast, we could play free games. So (laughs) (laughs) we would do that. And every single time it was either... an arcade cabinet. Yeah, we would either play Solomon's Key or Joust. And Joust was fun because it was two-player and you had these like... Uh, you're riding these like ostriches around with jousts, <laughs> and you're trying to knock the other person into the into the lava. Um, it's it's really kind of uh, dumb and entertaining. Uh, yeah, the, the little artwork has you flying, has you riding upon an azure ostrich with your lance. It's just it's pretty it's pretty freaking dope. It's kind of hilarious. It's not really fun to play by yourself. You kind of have to I mean, be. Uh, you know, have a few drinks or something and play it with a buddy to get some enjoyment uh, out of it. Yeah. And the games don't, uh, the rest of it doesn't seem to be that, it's like ar- arcade games on Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is the Pack Watch, where we keep our eye on Pack Watch. We'll give you a glimpse into the future with all the hottest news about what's coming up next for the NES. Uh, it starts off with a letter from Link himself. Dear Zelda, I'm here in Kyoto with my programmer slash god, Mr. Miyamoto, <laughs> and I am here with some bad news. Are you sitting down? That's right, you're lying down. You know, because she's in an eternal sleep. So why are you sending a letter to someone who will not be able to open it, let alone read it, because they're unconscious? Either way, he's it's basically their way of telling you that he will not be available to begin his journey until the next year, because it has something to do with computer chips. And... uh says, I know you hope to spend the holidays together, but I'm sure you can hold on a little bit longer. I miss you desperately. Yours forever, Link. <laughs> Note, sorry for the bad news. Link will be available in very limited qualities in November. So <laughs> there must have been a silicon shortage. And uh, I have to blame Baywatch for that. <laughs> I thought that was born 90s. <laughs> well, I guess they were... Uh, or do you think I, well, Pam was getting well, herself injected by no. 1988? No, well, no, obviously. Well, she well, she wasn't a pioneer. Obviously, this was the lead up to it. Like everyone getting those things in the first place, to the point where Pam felt, you know, I can't just be beautiful and have like decent acting skills. I also got to have like a monstrous rack. Aside from the uh, the nice one I already have, mm-hmm. so this was this was setting the precedent for Pam Anderson. That's where all the silicon went. So uh, they mention Ghostbusters, Mickey Mouse, Paperboy, and Tecmo Bowl will be coming soon. As is Star Trek, WrestleMania, Track and Field, John Elway's Quarterback, Anticipation, Bubble Bobble, Sesame Street series, as well as Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. And then Skate or Die. Die, 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 die. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is six months, six months away. And based on the cult comic book series, will be appearing in a new cartoon series this fall. Oh, yeah. Now, this explains why the music in the game didn't match the damn cartoon. Because the game came out first. Or it was being developed first. So, mystery solved. You'd think, why wouldn't it start off with... Well, the the arcade game does. The music didn't exist. But yeah, the first Nintendo game is a bit of an oddity. But uh, I assume we'll get into one of those in, in a future issue. <laughs> and next is Who Framed Roger Rabbits? This sounds too good to be true, but we know LJN has the rights to ruin, I mean turn, this super hot hit movie into a game pack. We think the storyline <laughs> could be a great NES adventure. And uh, 
well, yeah, it could have been if they used the storyline and characters, but I have a feeling they didn't. And then it finally ends with a screenshot of the upcoming game, Robocop. I can't wait for Data East to show me how to blow away dirtbags who fall within my prime directive. Drop it, Although, creep. Yeah. Although, I can't, I can't imagine this game, like, being as good as the movie, simply because there is shit in there that does not belong in no. front of a in front of a kid's game. Not at all. It's it's sort of weird watching it now going, wow, this was marketed to children back in the day? It's so wrong. It's like a The 80s had no violent. sense of... The 80s had no sense of decency for children. Look at Ghostbusters. It's a fantastic kids movie, although you forget the fact that one of the Ghostbusters gets a ghost blowjob <laughs> during a little montage. And you're like, wait a second. I saw this when I was a kid. Why didn't I notice this? I mean, right. look at his face. Yeah. He's get he's getting some brain. He's getting some brain. <laughs> Lovely. And then there's Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. Again, Kids should not be watching this movie. They should have no idea about the source material because there's shit going on in there that kids shouldn't be seeing. There's boobies and like extreme gory violence. Nice. It's great for teenagers, but again, you know, Nintendo's supposed to be like kid family friendly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and next then... up, I would like to go over the Players Poll Contest. Over 65 big winners. This is, again, the section of the magazine where if you submit your survey results, they will enter you into a contest to win one of 65 fine prizes, including one of 50 exclusive Nintendo Power jerseys that may or may not have been worn by Howard Phillips, looking dorky, one of 10 copies of (laughs) RC Pro-Am, one of five actual remote control uh, race cars, and a grand prize, uh, any 10 games of your choice from Nintendo's library. Oh man, that so you got to you got to admit that th- those are some pretty damn sweet prizes. I mean, even better than the first issue, yes. Yep, and uh, everything. The Nest Journal is next, talking about the introducing the power set. This powerful combo provides the power pad, which is uh, a nice little dance mitt. Mm-hmm. Although strangely, no dancing games. They decide to give you track and field, where you just jump on the same two spots over and over again to simulate <laughs> running. When just think about it, we could have had Dance Dance Revolution, Revolution back in the eighties. We know. had the technology. We, we had the pad. We could have had a dancing games. Missed opportunity, huh. big we time. Just didn't have I bet it. you the inventor of this uh, power pad was just like banging his head against the wall when Dance Dance Revolution came out. He's like. No, I, I had the technology. I could have done this. Why didn't I think of dancing? <laughs> or, or or what if he thinks that he perfected it back then? He's just like, dancing? You maniacs, How you're, you're looking at the screen. How are you supposed to know where to put your feet? That's why I invented a running game. It's the only game where you know where your feet are supposed to be. I I had it right. You don't mess with perfection, damn it. Right. You're, now you're reaching for the sun, Icarus. Slow down. Just slow down. <laughs> <laughs> dancing it'll never work <laughs> dancing hey not if this time john, if, if john lithgow shut it down he knows better 
next is A Tale of Two Brothers. Uh, to sum up, we meet Chris and Tim Stamper of Leicestershire, England. Why the hell are we meeting these two limeys? Because these guys have reached the pinnacle of the video game world. Have they? They found it rare. Woo! And as of this article, they made more than 25 games, including Wizards and Warriors, RC Pro-Am, and Slalom. Or Slalom. And Slalom. I haven't... You say Slalom, I say Slalom. <laughs> I haven't played e any of those games, although the picture of Wizards and Warriors looks kind of pretty neat. It looks like a, it looks like a Ghosts and Goblins. Wizards and, and Warriors is pretty good. I will say and that. it says here that Chris wrote thirty. Chris wrote at the age of thirty. Wrote test programs for arcades in 1982. In 1983, he began working on his home PC on a game called Jetpack. His brother Tim joined the team, bringing with him brilliant imagination and artwork. And this game was so successful, half of all PC users in Britain purchased it. Time to become their own boss. Tim began piloting ultralight aircraft, and somehow survived. And Chris purchased Tim's Lamborghini. I mean, like, you got this much money and you're still selling your car to your brother? No, remind me, who's the actor that's going to be playing uh, Gambit? Oh, Channing Tatum. Yeah, Tim Stamper looks almost exactly like uh, Channing Tatum. Yeah, and it says, uh, Chris and Tim are now living the British dream, the breeding British. Shire... It's the British dream, breeding Shire horses, similar to Clydesdales. Because, you know, like, cocaine and hookers is the American dream. Tea and horses, that's the British dream. Oh, we'll have a tea with a crumpet set. Yes, it's a, we're living our dream, brother. Now, they said, what does success mean to him? And to him, Tim said, someone else cleans out the stalls. And Chris said, time on the ham radio and star watching. So, you know, you can be living large while incredibly dull. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the fall TV preview. I would skip it, except this is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> it mentions the writer's strike, causing summer reruns this September, but here are some new shows to fill in the, fill in the gaps. TV 101. A young teacher attempts to create the first video newspaper with a group of misfit junior journalists. Now, a video newspaper, I have to say... That's a good concept for the 80s, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but we get to see a young Matt LeBlanc wearing, wearing, a young, wearing an Archie shirt with the R for Riverdale. And, uh, Unmistakable. That's, that's Matt LeBlanc. And I got his, and uh, next is Nightwatch with a K, and it's a show about teenagers forming a community watch organization called Knights of the City. Now, I like the idea of kids... Kind of like going Jump Street, but without undercover cops. Just being like, look, man, drugs. Why? Look, man, you don't need drugs. We got pizza. Ninja Turtles are getting their own cartoon series coming up soon. There's hope for this world, man. You don't need to escape with the with the lies of cocaine and base. Oh, my hope was that they would actually uh, go, in, go in full metal plate armor throughout the streets and uh, fight crime <laughs> <laughs> wearing their old night uniforms. Have Thou shalt, thou shalt not peddle thine witchy white powder in my streets. <laughs> Next is wizard. <laughs> drop the powder. Drop the drop your bag of crystal rocks. I shall not have thee in my hood. <laughs> that would be a great, great show. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, 
And uh, next is Dirty Dancing. Yes, the hit movie had a spin-off TV series. It's a romantic comedy focusing on music and dancing in the 60s. And uh, and U2 was involved in the title songs for Dirty Dancing and TV 101. Why the Oops. frig didn't I ever hear of these shows? I this is U2 back watch when the they were at their peak. Now. This was back when they were at their peak. Why the hell didn't I hear about this? It looks like Will Smith is in Nightwatch. It does and, look like uh, it's Will Smith, but I don't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> and uh, who's the um, Jimmy Smith? Uh, no, I don't uh, think that's Jimmy no. Smith. He's recognizable, but I don't think that's him. Wasn't he one of one of those cop shows? <sighs> he looks vaguely familiar. And uh, the guy on Dirty Dancing, he looks a bit like the father from uh, Raising Hope. He looks like uh, Elaine's boss. On Seinfeld, the uh, the lunatic Mr. who's just like I shouldn't I Mr. Well, Peterman. Come to. Yeah. He looks like Mr. Uh, yeah. Peterman. If he had great, if he had black hair, yeah. Well, I mean, a younger Mr. Peterman. Oh, back when he was the psychotic adventurer. Elaine, it's time to dirty dance. <laughs> no one shall put baby in a corner. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I gotta say, if this is based. Off Dirty Dancing, I just wonder, like, they gotta wait for the very special episode when someone gets an abortion from a from a uh, Russian immigrant. Lovely. And uh, uh, next, next is the celebrity. On a very special Dirty Dancing. That's a baby in, from w- a Russian immigrant? It would have been. Well, it would have been. <laughs> uh, what might have been. Baby. Uh, next is the celebrity profile. Now, it's about sports, so I've just got to skim over to this, but it was still art. It was still interesting. This issue has the Chicago Bears wide receiver Ron Morris, Colt running back Eric Dickerson, and Houston Oiler defensive end Sean Jones. And uh, Morris claims that he's better than anyone at Nintendo, and he owns 54 games, so he takes his claim to fame seriously. It took him two days to get to Tyson and punch out. And he lent the game to ex-bear Walter Payton. Uh, Jones says that Tyson seems impossible and he might be giving the game counselors a call soon. And Dickerson can't even get to Tyson, so he's sticking with baseball, although he did try Legend of Zelda. And Morris will be taking his NES to training camp and is sure that there will be more Chicago Bears Nintendo fans after it's over. And all I have to say about this article is, Da Bears! The Bears. I love this picture at the bottom left here where it says Ron Morris shows his stuff and it's uh, one football player sitting next to another dude sitting on the floor of the living room looking at this <laughs> tiny TV in the corner. And it just these feels guys, like these guys, these guys have to be athletes. like making hundreds of thousands of dollars as professional athletes and they can't even afford a couch <laughs> or a chair, still, much less a large like television. There's still like twelve year olds, yeah, just sitting, sitting there, on the couch. Slippers, and just the, not even a couch. Not even Sorry, couch. man. I guess a good couch costs two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> it must be one of those like flop houses or something. Yeah, this is where the hobies hang out. And yeah, it's just a little clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Next is the mailbox, and uh, I tried to see if I could skim this for just one to read. And after reading all these letters, I had to figure out which one to not read, because every single one of them is solid gold. (laughs) Uh, The first one is Game Ideas. 
and it says, My friend, four guys have said, My friends and I have been wondering if we can make a game and send our idea to your company. Four dudes from Lenexa, Kansas. And to which the response was, We're glad our gamers are, stimu- are stimulating our game... Our game. We're glad our games are stimulating the imaginations our of our players. Yes, our games Unf- stimulate our players in <laughs> multiple ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they were true to uh, Friday the Thirteenth, then there should have been some cutscenes doing just that. Hi-yo. But uh, it says, however, for legal reasons, we are not allowed to use your proposals or send them to our product development people in Japan. Now, I got to comment on this because I wish I read that. Because in 1992, after enjoying and beating Final Fantasy II, I sent them a detailed letter and a whole bunch of letters in one envelope detailing my idea to that Nintendo should work with Squaresoft to combine Mario and Final Fantasy elements and that there would be this, el- that, that there would be this evil so powerful that Mario would even have to team up with Bowser to stop it. Mm. I sent a few sketches and I heard nothing from them. I just assumed it was lost in the mail. And then four years later, guess which game got announced? Super Mario RPG. And guess who got credit for it? Not this guy. I still think I got screwed. Look, when you consider the time it takes for talks, licenses, and development, it just happens to coincide with my damn brilliant idea. And I had to buy my copy, you fucking bastards. Well, I don't usually swear, but that's bad. Hmm? At least they made the game. Yeah, although I had to pay for the damn thing and get no credit for it. Yeah, well. And uh, the next one, letter is, how do you spell Icarus? And they tell you how to pronounce, how do you pronounce Icarus? They tell you how, and then they even share some Greek mythology telling you the story that it's based off of about Icarus, who made the wings out of wax and feathers and flew too close to the sun, which is uh, pretty cool of them to share that. Now, what they didn't mention is that his uh, his father, who did manage to succeed in the flight from the prison to the mainland was Daedalus. Now, if that name sounds familiar, he is the villain in uh, the 60s cartoon Hercules. If you remember, Hercules, writer of fame and glory, Hercules, winner in ancient stories. I'm enjoying you singing it, but I've never, never seen the show. Okay, well, check out the uh, show Hercules. I screwed up the lyrics, but one of the awesome lyrics is that, like, fire in his eyes, thunder in his thighs, courage in his heart, strength in every part of the mighty Hercules. And uh, it's a great series. Hercules is just this really strong guy, but he's apparently weak against Greek monsters and shit, unless he uses his magic Olympus ring. And then he holds it up to the sky, and then it gets sh- it gets hit by lightning, and then he has the power of Olympus, and then he can kick some ass. And uh, the guy he fights is this evil sorcerer wizard named Daedalus, hmm. who got his name from the uh, the guy, who, the father of Icarus, who helped make the uh, wings of wax to get out of the tower. Interesting. And uh, next is a letter. I had to include this. It's a letter by a pair of grandparents. Jim and Dot McGurr of Brexville, Ohio. They beat Zelda, even the second quest, each. Which means, like, not only are old people playing it, but old ladies are playing Zelda. And they beat it without ROMs, without emulators, without save states. These old folks are fierce. They each, and they played Kid Icarus, they beat Kid Icarus, Super Mario Brothers, and they extol the helpfulness of the Advantage joystick, which is a must for grandparents, because I guess you can't really mash the buttons when your thumbs are arthritic. But, 
you know, the fact that this advantage just completely puts them back on the playing field and they used it, these fucking old folks are amazing. Like, mm -hmm. I, I gotta give these folks a thumbs up. And uh, they're waiting anxiously for Zelda 2, and they're spending their time in the meantime teaming up with Samus to wreck some Z-Bites. They know that they're called Z-Bites! I mean, it's not just like, ooh, I borrowed my kid's game and I, and, I, and I tamper with it when I'm not mending the fences or feeding mm -hmm. the cows. Like, these people know what they're doing! Why aren't all grandparents this cool? They've read the manual, clearly. They care to read the manual. They actually cared about this game. I mean, my parents were the ones that were always bitching about how, you know, they can't wait for me to grow out of this so I can learn some real skills. And these old folks are just like, oh, man, these, the, the newer generation's onto something. Mm -hmm. uh, next is Michael Barrow of Indianapolis mentions that Little Mac, Little Mac is a dead ringer of Howard Phillips. And then we get to see a, Phil, uh, a photo of Phillips doing a little boxing pose with his bow tie, the smug prick, and he and a photo of Little Mac smiling away in the corner while Doc is giving him inappropriate touches. This is great. This makes me want to go play Punch-Out and just watch Little Mac get the shit beaten out of him because he looks and like <laughs> Howard Phillips. <laughs> you, get to pretend, you get to pretend you are Howard Phillips. That's right. You just get whooped by the first guy in the game. Oh, yeah. Screw you, Howard. You're not even good enough to beat Glass Joe. That's right. Uh, next is George Ward of Austin, Texas. He provides an article that he had published in the school newspaper, and this kid is nine at the time. It, he, it, and it was a poll taken of 48 students about what consoles they owned. Nintendo was the main choice, followed by none, and then PCs <laughs> rounding third. Atari in fourth place, and Sega only had two votes, which shows that pe which shows that people would rather play nothing if they couldn't have a Nintendo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, I'm an optimist. Mm -hmm. And the last one of note, Edward Charlatan said his mom said life was monotonous, so he suggested playing some Nintendo games. She was reluctant, but the next day she tried and has since then been turtle bopping, beaming aliens, punching wrestlers, knocking out boxers, racing cars, saving royal maidens, and defeating monsters, and Edward is pretty grateful to Nintendo. Now, hopefully she was just in a funk and that she's not now substituting gaming for being a parent. But, you know, I'd hate to think that this woman's actually going through some legitimate depression and that now she's fallen into video games and that she's going to give up on her kid anytime soon. I, I just like to figure that, you know, she's just bored mm -hmm. and Nintendo has really filled the gap in her life when she's not cooking or doing housework or working at her boring nine to five job and that this has given something to, for her to bond with with her child. So Nintendo is uniting parents and grandparents and meanwhile, I had to play alone because my family just looked at this technomology as some garbage that will pass, and then everyone will go back to, you know, uh, taking up a trade and some shit. Well, I'd like to so, read this uh, poem that uh, Paul Woods from Janesville, Wisconsin, <laughs> sent in. And uh, I'll try to do it justice here. Mike Tyson's great, the man in black. He's got more power than Little Mac. He can really go when he gets in the ring. He starts his moves when the bell goes ding. To get in the ring to play the best, first you have to beat the rest. You think Mike Tyson can't be beat, but if you have the strength, you can knock him off his feet. That's a pretty powerful poem, Paul. Yeah, pretty good. I think I think I could 
do a better uh, a better rap. But you know, I guess this was when the you know people were still focusing on poetry rather than rapping. But uh, that comes up around, on exactly 1990, so we're not that far away. I think. Yeah, it rounds up the top 30 with Zelda, Punch Out, Metroid, Super Mario Brothers, and Kid Icarus remaining in the top five, untouched. Now, Zelda 2 The Adventures of Link, even though it doesn't even come out until November, is somehow already in the running at number 17 with 225 points. I don't hmm. know how the hell they did this. I mean, it's supposed to be the player's poll, or the uh, uh, the uh, geek, what's your favorite game rank? The player's poll, top 30. So a game that hasn't even come out yet well, this is already is the, number 17. This has combined version, because if you look at the next page, it breaks down... Players, pros, and dealers. So if you look at pros, they have Zelda 2 as number 11. Although that doesn't make any sense because players have Zelda 2 as number 13. So maybe they're just interested in the the game and that counts or something? I don't know. Yeah, it has to be like games that you're anxious about because this is the September-October issue and it doesn't come out until November. And even then it's in limited qualities. And... uh, and then Rygar jumped from 30 in the last issue with six points to number to position 24 with 141 points. So oh, yeah. it's moving up. It's moving up in the ranks with time. Take that, so, ranking. Yeah. Is that? It's not even in the list, is it? Oh, it got it got bitch lapped. No, it it got knocked out. It got knocked the f out. Well, you, you and, skipped. Uh, uh, did, did you want to talk about um, the video spotlight? Sure. Um, <laughs> just I had, nothing, I had nothing to say about it, but if you do, I'm willing to listen. Well, I always like looking at these guys that uh, that like to show off and send in their picture and talk about themselves. And uh, I want to talk about this guy that sent a picture of himself in Power oh, Player Pete. Profile. Pete quotes the natural Bryn from Windsor, Connecticut, at age 17. And uh, so oh, this, they, this shirt. Oh man, he looks like Beavis. I think he's, he's wearing the, an Anthrax band shirt. Yeah, he's got an Anthrax shirt with a power mullet. He <laughs> is Beavis or Butthead, whichever one. Yeah. No, no, Beavis is the brown-haired one, right? Butthead. No, is Butthead the but, blonde or? Oh, I think. Um, oh, I can't remember. I think Butthead. No, Beavis, be the Beavis has the blonde hair. Okay, so he's Butthead. He's because he's got a he's got an Anthrax shirt with a mullet, mm-hmm. and uh, it's pretty yeah, epic. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty rocking. I just want to mention that guy. Uh, <laughs> these things crack me up. <laughs> All right, moving yeah. on. It says, coming up in the next November slash December issue of Nintendo Power, Track and Field 2, where it details all and all 15 sporting events will help prepare you for your own video game Olympics. And it will prepare for me to skip over it. Blaster Master, nine pages of revealing maps and mutant madness, plus an explosive fold-out poster. Well, I can't wait for that. And then Giant Holiday Giveaway. So their player's poll must have really uh, gotten some serious um, gifting injection. Plus it's the November-December issue, so Christmas is coming. That's right. Can't wait to see the gifts that they're willing to give out to us. And then we have a, uh, and then we close out with a letter from Howard Phillips. Talks about learning a lot about the magazine publishing business, having to chase down football players en route to training camp, tracking down the article with the brothers with the with the picture of the Lamborghini for the Rare Brothers, 
hoping it will arrive in time, luckily it did, and then being forced to pay $200 for cab fare for one of their trips. Now, I adjusted that for inflation. That's 402 US dollars today. And staying up till 4 a.m. working on copy. But it's worthwhile to hear from the hundreds of thousands of NES fans who believe in the power. Nintendo power! (laughs) And that closes out this issue. With with an an offer to get a pin. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can send in a... uh, You can fill out a uh, card at the end of the issue and get a free pin with some lightning strikes on it. It's kind of odd. It's kind of uh, epic. Mm Mm-hmm. And no. then on the very last uh, back of the of the cover of the issue, it says Power Tools, and it's got like a chest with a bunch of different types of uh, uh, the zapper, the mm-hmm. control pad, the NES Advantage, which is perfect for those arthritic grandparents who are awesome gamers. God mm-hmm. bless the old folks, and the NES Max. That's what I had. Was the Max? That's that. Uh, that was the one that came with the turbo buttons built in. It's great. I had that one too. The adva- the uh, advantage looks great with that joystick on it, though. That's pretty damn. It's, it's pretty big and clunky, but you know, damn, you want to get that arcade experience in right. your home. Mm-hmm. And uh, that closes out the issue. So, Mike, where can they find us in the meantime between this issue and the next one? Well, we have our Facebook page, the Playing with Power podcast. You can find it on Facebook, and uh, we also have the Twitter. Uh, get the power 88 you can find uh, you can tweet us there hopefully someone does so i have a reason to look at it (laughs) (laughs) and uh then we got our uh an email which can be found on the uh playing with power podcast web uh web facebook page and uh we're also uh, also yep we can be well, yeah, you can find our uh, show on iTunes. Hopefully you're subscribed to that. So rate and review us. Get people talking about us. Tell us what you like. Tell us what we can do better. We're open to criticisms, but not to just screwing off because we're lamos. So, you know, if you got something to say, please make it helpful. We want to provide a uh, a better experience for you, if possible. So just let us know. And uh, if you enjoy me... You can check out my uh, other hosting gig on Geek Fallout Technobabble. It's part of the Geek Fallout podcast. It's a uh, lineup of several shows. I'm on the Technobabble one, and uh, that is just abbreviated most times to GFTB. So you find those episodes. Those are the ones I'm on. Although I encourage you to check out the other shows that they offer. They talk about uh, comic books, Star Trek whole lot of geek related items thus the geek fallout name but if you just love me you can check out technobabble it's pretty friggin awesome we talk about upcoming technologies and uh you know the good the bad the silly and uh we introduce the articles and then talk about them so that's pretty awesome uh can we find you anywhere or do you prefer to remain reclusive (laughs) you can reach me through the facebook page and just message and it'll reach both of us Okay, well, I think that's it for uh, this issue. Uh, We did pretty good. Mm -hmm. And you've been listening to episode three, issue two of the Playing Nintendo Playing with Power podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Ben. And now you're playing with power.
entertainment system. Now you're playing with power.